welcome to the Weekly Impact Podcast out of Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. My name is Brent Smith. I will be one of your hosts on the podcast as we move forward. I am also the Worship and Communications Director here at the church. Just wanted to take this chance to say welcome. Uh, we are very happy to have you here listening to us. And, and I just wanted to get into the purpose of this podcast right away. We are doing a movement here at the church. We started a couple months ago where we're calling it a chapter a day. And we're trying to encourage all of our um, congregants, all of our church members, our church family to get into a chapter a day. So what we're doing as a church, as a movement, is um, we're all going through and reading a chapter a day. And we're all going through and reading on a schedule. So we're all on the same chapter so that we have accountability, so that we have the ability to um, have conversations when we get together with each other, and we know that we're all on the same page, and we can just share, and we can talk about God's Word, and we can get into the life of Jesus, and we can get into the message of the gospel with each other, and have that help us grow in our daily lives. And the whole point of this podcast is, as you go through your week, and you're in your chapter a day, this is a companion piece to that chapter a day movement where we're getting in the Bible every day. The hope is that this will be something that you can listen to on your commute, you can listen to when you're going to bed at night or when you get up in the morning, when you're working out, whatever it is, so that it helps encourage you and keep you moving along in that chapter a day movement through the week. Um, so once again, I thank you for joining us here today. This is our first um, official episode of the podcast, and we're going to do one each week as we move forward. And we will actually, as we move forward, we're going to have different people come in and join us. There will be some of us who will be constants on here like myself, but there will be others as we change the format and we try to explore different things and find out how how we're going to be able to make this work the best way possible. So um, you'll be hearing different voices on here each week, and we actually thought that would probably be kind of cool to not have the same people all the time. So we can have guests and uh, co-hosts and all that kind of stuff. So today, what we're doing as our first official podcast, we wanted to have our church staff here um, all be involved in this first one so that you can um, listen to kind of what we do in our weekly staff meetings uh, when we when we discuss the chapter a day and what we're all reading and how it's affecting our lives. Um, we, uh, we really went through and kind of did a pilot run last week during our staff meeting, and it just went so well. It turned into such a good and fruitful conversation that we thought, that's it. You know, that's, that's the way that we need to do our first episode. So um, we have everybody here from the church staff, and I'm going to go around real quick and introduce everybody and let them say hello to you so you can find out who is who when they're speaking later, so you kind of get to know whose voice is whose. So anyway, I'm going to just go around the table here real quick, and I will introduce everybody. We have our lead pastor. Hey, everybody. This is Pastor Phil Nelson. We also have our community life pastor. Hey, everyone. This is Pastor Daniel Yelverton. Youth pastor. Hey, how's it going? This is Jacob Kingsley. Our eKids director. Hi, everyone. This is Tiffany Wiss. Our eKids assistant director. Hi, this is Jen Kaler. And myself, I am Brent Smith. I am the Worship and Communications Director. So anyway, what we're going to do is just kind of have Pastor Phil. He is our lead pastor, and he led us last week in that conversation that I was talking about as we talked about the chapter that we read through the day and discovered the impact that it had on us in the conversation that followed. So I'm going to throw it over to Phil, and we are going to have him lead us throughout this episode here. So uh, Phil, go ahead and take it. All right. So we are uh, reading Acts 17 today. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to follow the SOAP method. It's the acronym of SOAP. We read the scripture, and we're going to go around the table and read two verses apiece. And uh, then we're going to talk about uh, observations that come from this text. What pops, uh, what, what pops off the page to us? Uh, what stands out? 
um, maybe something we haven't read before or something very interesting or maybe even confusing. And then we're going to go into an application of what can we take from this scripture to apply to our lives, and then we're going to pray together. Uh, By the way, for our listeners, we're using the English Standard Version, and that way we're on the same page and we don't cause confusion from verse to verse. So, uh, Jacob, you want to just start us out and then we'll go around the table? Absolutely. Acts 17. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonii, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures. Explaining and proving that it was necessary for for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous and taking some wicked men uh, of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged out Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people in the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But When the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea. But Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as, as soon as possible, they departed. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him, and he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him, and some said, What does this babbler wish to say? Others said, He seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, 
What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. Nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. That they should seek God in the hope that they might feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said. For we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought to not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst, but some men joined him and believed. Among whom were also Dionysius the Areopagite and a woman named Demarius and others with them. So, uh, after reading chapter 17, what are some observations besides the complicated names <laughs> in uh, chapter 17. What are some observations? What's going on here? I think it's, um, it's definitely interesting seeing Paul in his, uh, his first kind of missionary journey as he's traveling around the world for the first time, how he doesn't stay in this section in, in places super long. He's always on the move. He's always looking to... Um, new cultures and places where he can bring the word of God and that gospel um, message, the good news to new things. And so that's super cool seeing that drive the story plot in this chapter. Yeah. And Paul and Silas and their team uh, are missionaries. They're, they're on a mission and uh, they're going down almost like a, a Roman strip uh, of, of towns that are about a day's journey between each each one. So they're on a mission, they're driven. And uh, was anyone struck by the opposition that they were receiving at all? Yeah, it's like they had these people that would follow them from town to town to try to disrupt everything that they were doing. They found out that Paul and Silas were in uh, Maria, and they were like, oh, wait, he's over there. we got to send all of our cronies over there to come and you know, <laughs> cause more issues Almost for like them. protesters. They're, they're literally going to take a stance and try to push this out. Um, what was The word that struck me uh, was why they, they were creating opposition and stirring up uh, division was what? They were jealous, mm -hmm. which I thought was interesting. They were jealous. Why were they jealous? because they were losing power. And not only power, they were losing influence. Hmm. And so this was coming against their, their religion. And so this was their identity. Yeah. And they didn't understand it. And so uh, they were doing everything they can to come against this movement, which then in return, which we know, reading it, was against the movement of God. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the root of everything, right? When it comes to opposition to Christianity, even today, it, it's because people that are in control, it takes their power away from them when we believe something different. We believe that Jesus is the king instead of someone else here on earth. Um, one thing that also hits me every time that I read this um, is um, where they said that there was a placard up um, for the unknown God. <laughs> one, that's a pretty awesome end to be like, well, he's not unknown anymore. This is my God you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But two, how awesome that before this came to them that they actually, they knew there was something out there. Mm-hmm. They perceived that, but they just didn't know what it was yet until they came to tell them and spread the word of God and Jesus in the gospel. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like they have like a catch-all God. You know, yeah. They're like, we have all of these gods. We hope we're hitting all of the right bases, but just in case we miss one, here's our altar to the unknown God. And I think what's really cool here is that Paul is using their culture in a way to tell them about Jesus. Hmm. You know, uh, one of the, there's two quotations that you would see in verse 28 where it says, "...in him we live and we move and we have our being." And then there's also one that says, for we are indeed his offspring. And the interesting thing about that is that those are not scriptures at all. Like those, you don't find those in the Bible. And it's because the Athenians didn't recognize the Bible for its validity. So instead, Paul was using their own scriptures, using their own culture as a way to teach them about Jesus. And I think that what's evident here is that all humanity has a void. They have something that they're trying to fill, but they're still trying to, and they're they're grappling for it. They're trying to figure out what it is. And so Paul didn't need to convince people that the Bible was real. He just needed to present the problem that was going on in their own hearts and then present the solution, Jesus. Hmm. Yeah, Paul finds that, that common ground with them, and he quotes their own poets, someone that they would have known about, and it's... What's crazy to me is, is imagining the situation that Paul goes in and he's talking to the Athenians, you know, Greek mythology. Um, even in our day and age, pretty much everybody knows Zeus and, and all them. And the Greek gods were all so sadly human. They bickered and they were still fragile. They could yeah. be killed. And here comes Paul saying this unknown God that you didn't know before. This is a God who isn't fragile. He is somebody who died, but he rose again. He's... He's stronger than death, and he did all this, and he's basically saying it's for you. Mm-hmm. And so a God like that would have been totally different than anything that they had a conception of. And Paul is is bringing this incredible news that the God is so much better than the gods you've been serving. So with that point, going kind of to application, and we can go back to observations, that's fine, but uh, with this point, take it to our modern-day culture in 2017, how can, we, how can we take that of how Paul presented the gospel by uh, basically bringing the problem to the people and allowing them to open their eyes and see this God? Um, you know, in our culture, the American church um, definitely has some negative stereotypes of just presenting teaching and, you know, shoving the Bible down people's throats. Uh, how do we present the problem to people today in our own community, Blanchester, Ohio, and our surrounding communities? How, how, do we, how do we take what Paul did and make it applicable to where we are? 
I mean, I don't know if it personally, if it applies to taking the problem to them, but um, just living our lives and being real, living it out and setting the example. And um, yeah, I don't know if that applies to taking the problem to them, but I think that's a way that where there's a lot of negative views of the church today where, you know, if we're actually living it and we're setting that example to the community and to the people outside of church that have that negative view of church, um, if we're setting that right example to actually live it and not be judging people all the time and, and just love people, you know, take it to them that, in that way. And I think that'll help, help at least offset some of that negative view of the church. Right. But I don't know if you have something else in mind mm-hmm. for the taking the problem. What I got from this was I like how Paul back in the day and he went, how Daniel, you were saying he didn't try to shove the scriptures down their throat and he quoted from poets and things that the people at that day could relate to. I think we can learn from that today and, you know, in our society is we need to go and meet people where they are. We need to not try to go and shove the scripture down their throat. Um, kind of like what you were saying, Brent, is we need to live it out. But I think also instead of just going to people and pointing out their sin and, you know, all those things, we just need to go to people and um, teach them about Jesus and his love and um, meet them where they're at and and try to use words and way of talking to people to where they're going to understand. I think sometimes Christians, we get into our Christian lingo or way of talking and we use words like, salvation and baptism and sanctification and these big words that some people who aren't in church, they don't understand those words and um, they have a hard time relating. So I think Paul, we can really learn from him and how he knew the culture and he met them where they were at. Yeah. And I'll say too, before, before I became a believer, anytime that I heard those words in conversation, I would just clam up because I didn't really know what they meant and it would make me just uncomfortable and I would just withdraw from the conversation. So if we go into conversations with people knowing that those types of words and those kind of things do that to people, if we find a different way, a more, you know, layman kind of way, a common tongue kind of way to speak to people about these things, I think it will be less, um, less, you know, it'll, it'll shut them down less and be more effective. And Jesus and his ministry, I mean, he used stories, you know, he would um, meet people where they were at and he used lots of stories where people of that day could relate and Mm -hmm. understand. Yeah. Yeah. I think too is let's remember too with Paul and as we continue to read through the New Testament of this explosion of the church of Christ uh, happening and real life change coming to people is um, that Paul had a real life conversion with Jesus Jesus was completely real to Paul, as we read last week um, on the Damascus Road. And so evangelism and sharing your faith starts with your personal relationship, because if not, then it's artificial and it's just knowledge. People don't want knowledge. People want truth, but they want reality. They want real life. And so Paul, whenever he is uh, addressing issues, it's coming from his experience and his life-changing moment with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we can't forget that it always starts there. Because if it goes away from there, then it's just knowledge and debate. And it's not real life. Yeah. A lot, think, of, <clears throat> a lot of times when you're reading these accounts and acts, is that there's some instances where we just get like a summary 
where Paul is in a place and he reasons in the synagogue and then they get mad and they leave, you know, and so there's not really specific dialogue. In this, Luke, he takes a very specific moment and he and he writes it down. And I think it's very good to ask the question, why? Why is Luke taking a meticulous time to say, all right, I'm going to write down everything that Paul said in the Areopagus? And I think that's because there is this aspect of evangelism that we can really learn from in Paul because, one, he's not he's not really taking what, what he knows and he's shoving it kind of down them and, and convincing them. He's taking what they already know or the problem that they have or the culture that they're facing, and he's just extrapolating it. And so for us, I think there's a lot of things to learn from that. Like we can learn from our culture. We need to learn what the needs, what are the idols that are going on in our culture? What are the things that people are asking questions about and engage them in that kind of conversation? And and then from that point, from those questions that we're asking, from genuine concern, even from like kind of, it's funny how Paul even compliments them a little bit. It's kind of a double <laughs> entendre though, because he's like, you're really religious in the way that it could be, <laughs> the way it can be translated there is it's either you're really like spiritual and they'd be like, oh yeah, we're totally spiritual. Or it can mean you're really superstitious, which they would see as an insult. Yeah. And so it's almost like he's just, he's kind of like, he's, he's, he's complimenting them. But he's he's still going to take that as kind of like a access. He's mm-hmm. going to get access to their thought process by just engaging with them on what they're already kind of mm-hmm. working through and the questions that they're already asking. And so I think for us, sometimes we, we clam up when someone is like, you know, I don't know how to tell somebody about Jesus. I don't know how to lead somebody to Christ. And really what Paul's doing here is he's saying engage with the people around you ask good questions, have a conversation with them, and then uh, see what comes out of that. And you're probably going to have mixed results, as Paul did. At the very end, it says, you know, some people just mocked him, and that's always, that's going to be a part of it. There's going to be people that are going to just make fun of you, or that are going to think that you're a second-class mind, because, you know, you you follow you know, Jesus, and you read the Bible, and the Bible's really old, and that can't be right now. You know, that's not, that's old truth. You know, there's no way that that's applicable to our lives now. And so you're going to have these people that will mock us. And then you'll have people that just say, hey, I don't necessarily believe, but I want to hear more. And mm-hmm. then there's going to be people that believe, you know. And so I think that there's going to be always kind of a mixed response when you engage people in these conversations. But God has already placed eternity in our hearts, based on Ecclesiastes. And so we are uh, able to even just like, if we talk to people and ask them questions and get to know their heart and get to know their struggles, then we can engage in kind of that opportunity for for God to be revealed or the solution to be revealed through Jesus. Mm -hmm. I think something really cool on display here is as we read through Acts and we'll read the rest of the epistles and letters from Paul, Paul is super smart. Like he knows mm. what he's talking about. He's not some uneducated dude. He he knows what he's talking about. But he comes into especially this situation and he could come in guns blazing and just like wreck their religion. Just be like, This is why your gods don't exist. Like all these different reasons. Lay the smack down. But he comes in and he finds the common ground with them. He doesn't set out to win an argument here. He sets out to give people hope. And I think that's a super practical 
takeaway for me in this day and age and the day and age of, of Facebook and, and online arguments all the time that so many people, especially Christians, are known for just trying to win arguments. And we don't exist here. Jesus didn't, you know, save us, offer salvation to win arguments. Um, and mm. often it seems like Facebook was created to be a platform for arguments. People yeah. just argue, argue all the yeah. time on Facebook. And practical takeaway from this is when I interact with people who don't believe the same way I do, am I in that conversation to try and win an argument or am I there to try and point them towards the hope of Christ? Because mm -hmm. Paul did the latter. That he is said big. the hope of Christ. That's that good. is big. If we look at verse 11, Acts 17, verse 11, because I think it, it, this just kind of goes along with what we're saying about how, how do we lead people to the gospel, but also how do we grow ourselves? Uh, Jen, could you read that? Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. At first I was a little confused because I think you just look at it and you see noble. That means you're, you're coming from royalty, you're coming from wealth, um, the Greek word actually means from noble birth or from noble behavior. Uh, but there's a third meaning there that I think is interesting, and it means um, to be open-minded, to be fair, and to be thoughtful. And Luke thought it was important to mention that the Bereans were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Okay, So what does that mean? Were they wealthier? Did they act more noble? No, they were open-minded to the teaching. But it didn't stop there. And I think this is uh, what I love about what the people at Elevation Community Church are doing is a chapter a day. It's not just a teaching series. We're literally, this is our DNA. This is our culture. This is where we're going. Every small group, every ministry team, pretty much every event is going to be surrounded by this of encouraging people to get in the presence of God and to study the word of God for themselves. And this is what the Bereans are doing. Did you notice that it even said in verse 11 that they're, they're actually searching and examining the scriptures daily? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we did not develop a chapter a day. They did. <laughs> thank you, and, Berea. Uh, thank you, Berea. <laughs> should be a commercial. South or North Berea. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, so... They examined the scriptures for themselves. They did not just take the Apostle Paul's word. They actually made it personal, personable, and applicable for themselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, that really struck me because how often do I just watch a YouTube video or listen to a message and just be like, oh, that's awesome. I never knew that before. That's a revelation and never take it to the word of God, or even take it to the Holy Spirit in prayer to confirm that. Just a thought. Mm -hmm. You know, for myself, as I've been doing the chapter a day, <clears throat> I've been realizing that there's so much in the book of Acts that I never even really knew about, you know, and I grew up in church. And it's just been really neat to go every day. Like even this chapter that we just read, I honestly, I really don't remember ever reading it before. You know, we work with the kids and we do kids stories all the time. And I don't ever remember um, reading about this. So it's been pretty amazing being able to get in the word 
every day and learning new things about the scriptures. Yeah. So we, we kind of dabbled into um, application, but is there anything else that we can take from chapter 17 and apply it to our daily walk? One other thing that I just stuck out to me is um, when Paul goes into Athens, the spirit provokes him because mm-hmm. he saw that the city was full of idols. And what he does next kind of shows his heart behind what what was happening when the spirit provoked him. Because it's easy to just look at our culture and to see offensive things in our culture and or to even to see like idols in our culture, whether it's money or beauty or different things like that. And have two responses. One is to maybe be drawn to it. So we, we go to that, we think, man, if I finally get that, then that's going to make me happy. Or if I get to this certain image or I get this certain job. And so we're drawn to that, you know, that idolatry. Or there's the other side where you're just repulsed by it and you just run away from it and you shun it and you, you just stiff arm every part of it. And Paul does neither. You know, Paul is not necessarily like attracted to or drawn to this idolatry, but he's also just not saying like, oh, well, this city's awful and we're just going to hope God drops a nuclear bomb on this place because there's a lot of bad people here, you know, and instead it's he's he wants to then his heart is broken for that. And so he's moved to compassion, which I think is a is a different attitude when it comes to seeing the depravity in our culture is instead of being enticed by it or repulsed by it be compassionate towards it and running towards the the needs of the culture one thing that that i had from verses uh, six through nine near the start of the chapter also mm. brief shout out to jason to having the most simple name in this whole book <laughs> yeah. that's great you're going along with all these different names and jason thanks jason <laughs> okay what's going on there um but these people come and they accuse the christians because you know they're trying to formulate this fake report to the romans and say well they're trying to serve this other king jesus and time and time again we see that the claim of jesus as king is like getting the Christians in trouble um, and gets Jesus in trouble. And it's not a false accusation like Jesus set out to be king. And so I think there's some good application here is that when we acknowledge Jesus as king in our life, as the ultimate priority and the ultimate ruler in our life, there's going to be pushback from the things that used to be the kings in our life. That mm. all the, this culture was used to having the complete authority in these people's lives and then they saw Jesus as king and they served him and him alone and there was pushback on that mm. so application today there are things that we've let rule our lives be that king in our life and if we say that's enough and we put Jesus as king there's going to be pushback from different areas in our lives and when we do that and make Jesus king even those who are pushing back acknowledge what is going on if you uh, Tiffany could you read verse 6 And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. They're really prophesying. (laughs) I mean, they, I think they don't really understand what they're saying. I mean, they're, this is just really the beginning of the Christian church turning the world upside down and changing history forever like this is a big deal 
And so this is just the beginning of this tidal yeah. wave happening. Mm-hmm. And here these guys are are basically saying prophetically, look, these men who are turning the world upside down, they're acknowledging what's happening. And so I think, too, is when we are more concerned about our own hearts and making Jesus king in our lives, then even the pushback is going to be taken care of. And a lot of times even those who are resisting God's movement are going to be in return declaring what God is doing because God really has the final say. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a minute to pray. And um, if you're listening, we're just going to trust that uh, God is going to meet you right where you're at. And uh, we believe that scripture is truth and it is very powerful. It's the most powerful thing. And so as we read chapter 17 in Acts together, I'm just going to trust that God will uh, teach us all and, um, and just help us understand uh, what he's doing in our lives and the lives around us. Jacob, would you mind opening up in prayer? Daniel, would you close? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word and how even though it was written so long ago, it can speak to us so vividly today. God, I'm just struck by your heart for people and how that's manifested in the story of Paul as he goes into Athens. I pray that you would give each and every one of us a a greater understanding of your love and your hope and that that would just transform how we interact with others, especially those who don't yet believe in you. You would just give us that passion for for people who, who don't yet know your purpose and, and your love and your life, instead of just trying to win arguments, instead of just trying to be intellectually superior, mm-hmm. that we would try to share that hope and love that you have already given to us so generously. God, I just... um. I pray for everyone that's listening to this, God, that they're encouraged by your spirit. Lord, I just uh, thank you so much, like Jacob said, that we get just an amazing documentation of Paul and his journey and how the spirit was working through him in just various situations. And then, God, I just pray that we take comfort in that, to know that when we go into work or when we're with our family or in school or wherever we may be, that one, you're there and you're present but that you are working, that you are the one that gets the final say, that you are the one that is uh, ultimately uh, in control. And so, God, I just pray that we would be moved to compassion, especially around persecution, especially around when people maybe either misjudge us or slander us or put us down, God, or even when we see just a culture that just doesn't love you or doesn't even know you. God, I pray that that would move us to compassion for the hearts and the lives of those people, that we would engage in them, that we would gauge where they are. And God, give us the words to say when it just comes to just sharing lives with each other. And um, God, I just, uh, I do pray that this is a blessing to everyone that's listening and uh, that they'll be able to take what they've learned through your spirit from these scriptures. And they would just be able to be the gospel, be the light, be uh, be you, Jesus, to the people around them. So, Lord, we love you and we thank you for all that you're doing in this, and may you just be glorified in your name. Amen. 
Amen. Amen. Hey, everybody, thanks for tuning in. And uh, we look forward to hearing all the incredible stories of how God is working in your lives. Well, that's going to wrap us up for our first official episode of the Weekly Impact Podcast. Once again, my name is Brent Smith, and I just wanted to thank you on behalf of myself and the staff here at Elevation Community Church. We will catch you next week on the Weekly Impact Podcast.